welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Today we're going to continue our sermon series that we started, you know, quite a few weeks ago. It's probably been about six weeks ago. We started uh, talking about the principle of being blessed. How many of you know that you are blessed? There was a song that we used to sing in the 80s called I'm Blessed and I Know That I Am. I don't know if any of you old school church going folk remember that song. But what a powerful declaration. And we've talked about what the blessing is and how the blessing operates. And and we've given you pictures of how the blessing would manifest in in different uh, uh, scriptures and in different stories within the Bible. We saw how David talked about the blessing in Psalm 1-3. We talked about how he saw it in Psalm 52 as, as an olive tree. How many olive trees do we have in the house? Man, if you don't know where it's on, I don't know what that is. Well, go back and, and listen to uh, the, the podcast. And, and today we're going to start a, a sub-series on the three levels of generosity. And I kind of prefaced uh, this in, in one of the messages a couple of weeks ago, but I felt it was very important that, that we expound a little bit so that we can have a, a clear understanding. Now, I know what I'm going to teach today may be considered uh, polemic for some people, somewhat controversial. And, and if you're visiting for the first time, uh, give us another chance. Come back. <laughs> give us another chance. Come back and, and, and check us out. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about generosity and we're going to talk about giving. And that's what I'm saying. Give us a chance to come back. I, I want you to know that we aren't one of those churches that are always asking for money. And don't think today's sermon is a setup for money. I've been in those churches where the pastors will preach about giving and generosity. And you feel like you're being set up on an infomercial. Because at the end, they want to hit you with a big ask. And, and, and today, there's no big ask. We're not setting you up to give a special extravagant offering. In fact, if you've been with us for a while, if you've been part of Access Church, you are familiar with, with the concept of, of the principles of the kingdom or how Jesus referred to the laws and the principles of the kingdom. He called them the keys of the kingdom. And, and in fact... What is it that keys actually do? Why, why do you need keys? What do keys give you? Access. And that's why we're called Access Church is because I, I felt compelled and called to teach people how to utilize the keys of the kingdom so that you can access everything that God has for you. And when you begin to utilize these keys and, and, and you begin to see uh, utilize these keys in your life, you, you begin to unlock blessings in your life, things in, in, that, that God has planned and prepared for you. The problem is that oftentimes these, these principles or these laws or these keys, they're often counterintuitive to us. They, they, they don't seem to really coincide with, with our nature, with our, our natural way of being. For instance, you know, the Bible says that we are to love our enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something that, that is not really easy to do. Like, when I have an enemy or someone does something to me, you know what I want to do? I want to love them back. 
I want to lay hands on them, but not in the... <laughs> right? Isn't that, that our, our, our nature doesn't want to love our enemies back? Like if they block us on Facebook, what do we, want? we want to block them back. Like they won't even know because they already blocked you. But it's just the principle of the thing. We, 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 that, that's the way our, our, our naturalness works. That, that's the way our, our mind functions. Like, you do something to me, I'm going to do it back to you. And, and oftentimes, you know, the, the Bible calls it the golden rule. And the golden rule is, you know, do unto others as we would want them to do unto us or as we would like them to do unto us. But in our nature, we want to do unto others what they've done to us. That's our natural golden rule. But that's not what the principle of the kingdom is. Our, our, the principle of the kingdom is to love our enemies. Our mind tells us to hate them, to pay them back, to return to them what they've done to us. And another principle that is counterintuitive to us is the Bible says, if you want to save your life, you must lose your life. Now, this goes against one of the most powerful instincts that, that we have in our nature, and that's the instinct of, of self-preservation. That's what causes you to jump. That is what causes you to flinch, to react when, when you find yourself in a scary or a, a dangerous situation. You know, that, that whole, you know, fight or flight. Most of us are flight. Not many of us are fight when we're in that, that situation. But, but that's what it is. But the, the Bible says that we, if we want to save our life, then we have to lose our life. And that just goes against our nature. Uh, another one says that give and it will come back to you. Now, our mind tells us that if we want more, we've got to accumulate more. That we, we don't need to give. We don't need to share. And in fact... Isn't that what we do with our children? We have to convince them that sharing is caring. Why? Because that's not natural to a kid. I have seen parents spend, you know, time and time again teaching their, their children to say words like, mommy, say daddy. And you see them, you know, say mommy, say daddy. But I've never seen a parent teach a kid to say mine. But one of the first words that kids learn without you teaching them is what? In fact, I never taught Micah to say mine, but Micah says mine. The minute another threat enters the play area, someone is after their toy, their truck or something, what does a kid do? Mine. And we have to convince them that sharing is caring. Now, remember, Michael, you got to share mine. Or just like Micah says, No. <laughs> Why is that? Because our nature is not to give. Our nature is not to care. And so all of, a lot of these principles that we see in Scripture, these keys that give us access to the manifold blessings of God in our life, they, they go counterintuitive to, to our nature. They, they go against what, what we, we naturally desire to do. And, and so we, we have these keys and, and it is upon us to understand, to know, to utilize these keys so that we can gain access to all that God has for us. In fact, there are three crucial keys that I believe must be practiced in the life of every believer. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but there are other keys. But I, I really feel like these crucial, critical keys, if you apply them in your life in, in the beginning, all of the other keys are going to naturally flow out of, out of these three. The first one is giving. Now, 
I often tell people when, when people get saved and they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the heart gets saved, but it takes about two years for the wallet to get saved or the checkbook. Anybody still have a, if you have a checkbook, you're old, okay? I haven't seen a check in years. So I say, you can give me a check. I was like, a what? Like, but it takes that long. Why? Our, our heart gets committed, but it takes time for us to begin to, to trust God in the area of our finances. And so, you know, it usually takes about a two-year process for people to, to step in into that. Uh, another crucial and critical key is the area of prayer, is praying. So we have giving, we have praying. These are, 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 are keys that are going to give you access to the manifold blessings. And then I think one of the areas that, that, that people often struggle with almost as much as giving is in the area of fasting. Like when, when I talk to people, people who have even been in church for a long time, I will get as many excuses for them not to fast as for them not to give. Until they see some influencer on TikTok talking to them about the benefits of fasting. They're like, oh, now I can fast. But when pastor calls the, the fast, the 21 day fast in January, oh no, pastor, I'm on medication. I have a headache. I, you know, I just can't do that and I can't. But now you have some, some influencer on social media talking to you about the benefits of fasting and understand. I, I imagine God is like, hello, I've been trying to get you to fast since you've been a Christian. Do you know that when you fast, just after 15 to 16 hours of fasting, your body begins to produce human growth hormone? It does. Human growth is that which keeps you young. It keeps your, your, your skin more elastic, more vibrant, reduces inflammation. It gives you energy. Like, Pastor, why didn't you tell me that in January? Then I would have fasted. <laughs> but fasting not only has physical benefit. Do you know that God designed your body to heal itself when you fast? Now, science and medicine prove what the scriptures have always shown us to be true. But there's not only spiritual uh, or physical benefits to fasting, but there are, are spiritual ben benefits to fasting. And yes, like I said, there are other keys. There's a key of, of serving. That's why I tell you, you know, don't just come and look for a seat and listen to a sermon and sing some songs. When you come to church, look for a place to serve because serving is a, an activity of worship. Serving is a key. And the, by, the, the principle of serving is this, is if you take care of God, God's house, God will take care of your house. I don't know about you, but I want God to take care of my house. And that's how, that's how these things operate. Now, now in, in the kingdom of God, there's not just one master key. And a lot of people think, well, I, 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 you know, I show up on Sunday, I'm good. I got, I got the master key. No, there are different keys that unlock different areas of blessing in your life. Just like you have a house key, just like you have a car key, just like you have a key for the shed or you have a key for the gate, each key will give you access to different areas of, of your life or your property. Can you imagine how ridiculous I would look if I stood in front of my front door with my car key fob hitting the unlock button and Malachi comes down, what are you doing? I'm unlocking the house. He'd look at me like, dad, I'm in first grade. Even I know that's not how you get in the house. 
What? My car key won't give me access to my house? No. In order to access my house, I need the house what? Unless you're one of those fancy people that have codes. But you still need the code or the key for the door. We're not there yet, okay? So in the kingdom of God, different keys will allow you to access other things. Okay, pastor, prove it. Okay, do you remember when the disciples tried to do what Jesus did when they came across someone that was demon-possessed and the demon ran havoc all over them? They came back all dejected to Jesus and said, Jesus, we did it just like you did. We, we, we said the same things you did. We moved our hands the way you did. And what happened? Dude, we got tore up by the demons. And Jesus said, okay, you're using the wrong key. He said, because this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. So we understand or we can ascertain from that that there are things that prayer will unlock in your life. There are things that fasting will unlock in your life. There are things that praising will unlock in your life. And there are things that giving will unlock in your life. So in order to unlock certain areas of the blessings of God in your life, you need to use the right key. Now, it's my job to teach you the keys of the kingdom and how to use the keys so you can access all that God has for you. Now, I, I, I know that pastors, oftentimes, they, they get a little bit uncomfortable when they, they talk about giving, they talk about generosity, but I don't. Why? Because I truly believe that I want you to access everything that God has for you. I, I get excited because not only in my life have I experienced the, the power of giving, the power of tithing, the power of first fruits, the power of giving offerings, and I want everybody to experience that. In fact, I could bring up people that have started employing these principles, started utilizing these keys, and they themselves can tell you how God has transformed their finances, how God has transformed their families, how God has transformed their, their faith. These keys will work if you employ them and utilize them. Can you imagine if you had some rich uncle that left you this beautiful mansion, this beautiful house, and he gave you the key, but you never took the key out of your purse or your pocket. You can talk about, oh, that's my mansion. But it's not until you access it that you get to enjoy the benefit of the blessing that that gift is. And you can access it until what? Until you use the key. So we are going to talk today about generosity or giving. Like I said, if this is your first time here, come back. We're not one of those churches. And understand, I, I get it. I know that there's been a lot of abuse when it comes to giving and generosity. You'll find people on, on, on Facebook. You'll find people on YouTube. You'll find people on Christian TV and pastors and leaders. And they're always telling that you need to give to get. Let me tell you, at Access Church, we do not preach give to get. We don't. We preach on the keys of the kingdom, but we know because we give and because God is good and the Bible says that you reap what you sow, that we don't give to get, but because we give, we get. Are you with me? So there is, there is a difference. Now, many people, including Christians and believers, think that pastors shouldn't teach or talk about money. And I'm like, why? If Jesus did it, do you know that 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught 
were about stewardship, about generosity, and about money. To me, if, if Jesus spent two-thirds of his time teaching and preaching, he only had about three and a half years on the earth for his, his earthly ministry. And two-thirds of that time, he spent talking about finances. He spent talking about stewardship. He, st- he spent talking about, about giving and generosity. That tells me that in the kingdom of God, finances matter to God. Money matters to God. Don't you think so? Can you imagine, like I said a couple of weeks ago, there are approximately 500 verses that, that deal with prayer. I think all of us can agree that prayer is important. Anybody believe that prayer is not important? Raise your hand. Okay, we're all in agreement. We all believe faith is important. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is crucial and critical to, to our faith. It is foundational. Without faith, we, can't please, we cannot please God. There are approximately 500 verses that deal with faith in the Bible. That means faith is probably important. Did you know that there are over 2,000 verses regarding money or possessions? Faith is important. Prayer is important. Money is important to God. Could it be that God knew that in the year 2023 that the number one reason for divorce would be financial matters? Could you imagine how our marriages and our life would change if we didn't have to deal with this area of finances? If we put God's priorities in place in our life and in, in, in our finances, that means it, it, could, it could save us a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache by employing God's principles about putting God first. And so we talked about how obedience activates the blessing. And the magnitude of our obedience will determine the magnitude of our blessing. And, and what is obedience? We defined it a couple of weeks ago. Obedience is doing things God's way. It's doing what he says. It's doing how he says it. But it's also doing when he says so you can obey God, you can do what he says, but if you don't do it when he says, then you're not really obeying, you're fulfilling an obligation. It's like when you pay a bill, your, your bill's due on the 15th or the 16th, and you pay it on the 20th. You can go to the company and they're going to charge you a penalty, they're going to charge you interest. You're like, well, I paid it on the 20th. Yeah, it wasn't due on the 20th. Yes, you met the obligation, but you didn't meet, you didn't obey the deadline. Well, with God, it's the same way. And, and, and I hear it all the time. People always want to tell me what they think how church should be or how God could be. And I'm like, dude, wait a minute. This is not your church. It's not my church. It's his church. I don't get to say, well, I don't think that we should. Well, I don't think. I'll say, okay, let's not talk about what you think. Let's not talk about what I think, but let's go to God's word. What does God's word say? And this is why I'm teaching you, because I want you, I want you to access everything. So obedience is doing what God says, is doing it how he says it, and it's doing it when he says. And, the, and tithing is the primary way that we acknowledge that God is first in our life. See, God doesn't need our money. Our money needs God. Can somebody say amen to that? And tithing, what, what is tithing? Tithing is, is, is 
comes from the Latin, which means a tenth. So according to God's word, we are expected to give God 10% of everything that comes in into our household. That's what the Bible says. And we give God not just a 10%, but we're supposed to give God the first 10%. Why, why is that? Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, I can tell you what matters to you by looking at your bank statement. See, t some of you, it's food. Any foodies with me? <laughs> like, I I'm not going to lie. I'm a foodie. I'm halfway through the second song, and I'm already thinking, what are we going to eat for lunch? I'm just being real, just keeping it 100. And don't act like you don't do the same. Some of you, even before the first song, you're already thinking, what are we going to do for lunch? That's the way my... I can tell by looking at your bank statement what matters to you. See, some of you, it's, it's your cars. Some of you, it, it's your hobbies. It's your sport. It's fishing. It's hunting. Wherever you spend your money is what is a priority in your life. For some of you, it's, it's Amazon. For some of you, it's Coach or, or Louie or Huey. Y'all know you got some of that Huey purse. Looks like Louie, but it's not. Why? Because the Bible makes it very clear. Wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so we can be here like, God, wherever your presence goes, God, I want to go, God, I give you all of me. And so God uses money. God doesn't need our money, but God uses money to test the loyalty and the commitment of our heart. Remember that God doesn't judge what we do. He judges why we do it. See, God is more concerned with the quality and the character of your heart than he is your comfort. God is more concerned with why you do something than the fact that you do it. See, that means that we can do the right thing, but if we do it with the wrong heart, you know what Jesus says? You know what? Don't even do it. If you're not going to come to church with the right attitude, let me tell you, just stay home and watch the Cowboys win. Because that's what Jesus said. If you're, if you're going to do the right thing with the wrong heart, then you might as well not even do it. If you're going to fast for the wrong reasons, don't fast. If you're going to praise for the wrong reasons, don't praise. If you're going to pray for the wrong reasons, don't praise. Because with God, God is always concerned with the intentions and the motivations of your heart. It matters to God where your heart is. And so God is not needing your money but God uses money to test our heart. And tithing is one of the ways that we show that God is first in our life. Now, it's possible to tithe the full 10% and still not be tithing according to his principles. So what is the tithe? Tithe is 10%. Now, the Bible teaches the principle that the tithe belongs to the Lord. So when we tithe, we give God that 10%. How much of your money do you stay with? Okay. For those of you who speak the heavenly language, 90. No, listen to what I said. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. So when you give God the tithe, the 10% that belongs to him, how much money of your money are you left with? 100%. Why? Because it's not yours. 
You're left with 100% of your money. Can you imagine if, Uncle, if, if God was like Uncle Sam? You know what? Uncle Sam doesn't trust you. They don't trust you to give back to Uncle Sam. So what does Uncle Sam do? He oh, I'm going to take it before you even get it because I know you're going to pay me. But God, so Uncle Sam is not concerned with the quality and the, the, the character of your heart, but God is. Uncle Sam doesn't care where your loyalties are. They want their money. So Uncle Sam will step in, and they'll take out their part, and then they'll let you figure everything out later. But God is not like that. God gives you all of it, and God says, okay, now I want to see if I can trust you with my resources. Do you know why God needs to know if he can trust you? Because there's no national bank of heaven here on the earth. So where does God keep the resources for his kingdom? He keeps them in your bank account. But he will only put them there if he knows that he can trust you to give him what belongs to him. That's what tithing is. Tithing is not giving God anything. Tithing is just returning to God what is his. And that's what obedience is. So when we tithe, we're giving God a full 10%. We're giving him back what belongs to him. But the Bible says that when we do what God says, then we will be blessed. In fact, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled completely and your vats will overflow with new wine. So Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And a lot of believers, they love this scripture. They can, they can quote it. They can apply it. But understand that it says you, you have to, in order to get to the second part, you have to do the first part. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits. How do you honor the Lord with your wealth? By giving him the tithe. How do you honor the Lord? By giving him the first fruits. That's why we teach the principle of first fruits in January, because it is these two keys that you give to God, that you return to God what belongs to him. And the Bible makes it very clear that when you give God what belongs to him, then it says that your barns will be filled completely and your vats will overflow with new wine. Understand that the way that a covenant working God is he works with the if-then principle. That's the way it is with God. Why does God do that? Because a covenant is an exchanging of values. It, it's when you exchange something. That's why God always says, if you do this, what does he say? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and seek, pray and seek my face, then I will heal their land. It's an if-them. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits, and then I will fill your barns completely. That's the way it is with a covenant God. It's an if-then. Why does God do that? Because God wants to know that he can trust you with his resources. So, Let's talk about the three levels of generosity. And we kind of prefaced this a couple of weeks ago. The first level is the level of obedience. That is tithes and first fruits. That is obedience. That's where it starts. This is elementary. This is kindergarten. This is entry level giving. Why? Because when we tithe and give first fruits, we're not giving God anything. We're just returning to him what already belongs to him. 
That's what the tithe is. We're saying, God, okay, I, I got $100. God, 10 of it belongs to you, so I'm returning it back to you. I still keep $90, which is 100% of my money because it belongs to him. That's what obedience is. Obedience is doing what God says, how he says, when he says, and that's how we do it. And, and obedience is the first level. It is elementary in this kindergarten level, and that is where you walk in a level of obedience. Say, God, okay, this is what you require. This is the expectation. I'm going to do this. Now, understand, I get it. I know for a lot of people that this level is hard. Why? Because it still takes faith to honor God. It still takes faith to give God 10%. Before you pay your bills, before you buy groceries, before you fill your vehicle up with gas, it takes a level of faith to tell God, God, before I even know I'm going to make it, I'm going to trust you. And God says, if you trust me, and you act in faith, then I'm going to make sure that your barns are filled. In fact, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, I think verse 10 says, if you give God the tithe, then he will rebuke the hand of the devourer over your life. What is the hand of the devourer? The hand of the devourer is that causes your transmission to mess up, the water heater, the pipes to break. It is that those hands of the devourer that just goes and, and, and shows up and you're like, man, all of a sudden. And the Bible says that when you honor God with your wealth, with the tithe, he will rebuke the hand of the devourer. Yeah, there might be moments when, when you know what, it just kind of gets a little bit difficult. But God will always come through. So obedience is the first level. It's the second level is the level of offerings. It's the level of sacrifice. And remember, we talked about it's the attitude. Obedience is meeting the obligation. It's the minimum requirement. But then we get to the next level of offering. That is the level of sacrifice. That is where we feel like we're giving up things for God. And, and that, is, that is a next step. That is where we, we, we often want, want to get to. We want to get to that next step of, of, of offering and honoring God and giving to God. But we have to start with the first level. We, we can't skip, you know, we, we can't skip kindergarten, first grade to get to, to, get to junior high. We, we have to start at the level. And then we go to the next level of offering and, and sacrifice. And then we go to the third level is what we call worship or what we call extravagant offerings. What is sacrifice? The second level is where we give up something for God. But when we live on that level of worship, we begin to recognize that everything we have belongs to Him. How can you give God something that already belongs to him. When you walk in that level of, of, of generosity and you recognize that I only have what I have because God is good. I only have what I have because God is good. In fact, that's what David writes in Psalm 24. One, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. When you walk in that level of, of worship and say, God, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to give it to you. And we talked about how, 
how Abraham, that one day, he had been praying for a son, and God gave him a son, and then about 40 years later, God comes back to Abraham and says, hey, remember that son I gave you? Now I need you to go to Mount Moriah. I want you to walk up the mountain to the place where I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, most people said, God, you're crazy. How could you dare do that? How could you dare ask that? You know how much I fasted and prayed for a son? You promised that my descendants would be as numerous as the stars, as many as, as the sand on, on the shore. God, and now that one blessing, you want me to give it back to you? And God says, yes. So the day comes where Abraham walks with his servants and his son. They get to the foot of Mount Moriah. And Abraham turns around to his servant and says, you know what? I need you to stay here. He said, because my son and I were going up to worship. And I remember I was actually in Bible college when, when God spoke to me with that verse. I remember reading that. And, and I thought, what language that Abraham chose to use? And I remember the Holy Spirit said, it's because what you call sacrifice Abraham called worship. And I began to think about that for a moment. Why would Abraham call sacrifice worship? Because Abraham knew that I would have never had a son unless you'd given it to me. I, how can I give you something that doesn't belong to me? And when we understand that everything we have belongs to God, it doesn't matter. It's like if somebody would take this iPad, they could put a bow, they could put wrapping paper, they can even put a birthday card on it and say, here, Pastor Brian, happy birthday. And I'm like, whoa, that's mine. You're not giving me anything. It already belongs to me. Yeah, but I put a bow on it. You're not giving me anything. It already belongs to me. And that's what Abraham was saying. He said, God, you gave him to me, and now you're asking him back. He doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you. And that is a level of worship. And I share with you how a few weeks ago, how I was, we, Sandra and I, we were missionaries to Mexico. And when we left to Mexico, we gave everything up, our houses, an apartment, our, our cars, and we went with no money, no resources, and I was having this conversation with God, and I said, God, and I would hear testimonies how pastors would talk about how, how they would, people would give them cars and houses, and I was having this combo with God, and I was like, God, you've never given me a car, and I'm faithful. I'm here in the mission field. I gave everything up. I gave a great job in corporate America, loved what I was doing. I had it made I had influence and affluence, and now I find myself having to ride the bus in Mexico with no AC. Yeah, that's suffering. Suffering for Christ. And then in a taxi, and I remember God says, you've never given a car. And I learned something about faith in that moment, that the only limit to our faith is what we're willing to give. And God says, you've never given a car. And I learned that what limits my faith is what I'm willing to give. I learned that I'll never receive a blessing bigger than I have the faith to give. If you struggle at $100, you know what? I'm sorry. Your faith is limiting the level of blessing to $100. If you struggle at $500, your faith is limited to a blessing of $500. If you can go to $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000, then that's the level of faith that you have. But what limits your faith 
is what you have the faith to give. And I remember at that moment when God spoke to me, I took that as a challenge. I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you a card. The problem is I didn't have a car right then. I did it. And you know what? God, I said, okay, God, give me a car and I'll give it back to you. So I remember we were, we were getting ready to, to, to fly back to, to Dallas from Guadalajara. And this couple uh, drove us to the airport. And we were there at the airport. And he, the, the man you know, that, that offered to drive us to the airport is about almost two hours from where we lived to the airport in Guadalajara. And he asked me a question. He said, he said Brian, when you go to Dallas, are you planning on buying a car? You know that awkward body language when you ask people and they don't have money like hey are you gonna go out to eat and they're like or is that just me that don't happen to y'all you get that awkward body language like you don't want to tell people you got no money but you're broke as a joke and I remember I started well that's the plan you know and I mean I would like to but I had no money And he said, you know what he told me? He says, you know what? God spoke to me, and God told me I need to help you buy a car. I'm going to give you $1,200 so you can buy a car. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's great, but a $1,000 car, God? Like, really? No. So I went and I looked for a, a, a car, and I found a 2010 Chevy Jimmy S10 Blazer. Yeah. Rolling. They see me rolling. Now you know I'm not in the worship team. And I found it, but it, the problem was it was $3,000, but I only had $1,200 plus tax title and license. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do what you said. So... I, I, I took the car. They were going to give me some, some, some time to pay the difference. And let me tell you, before I made it back to Mexico, God had provided all the $3,000 that I needed to pay off the car. Yeah, you've got some praise for that. And so I'm driving back to Mexico, and guess what God tells me? You hoot, that car's not yours. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. I just paid for it. God actually told me, no, you're going to give that car to this pastor in Mexico. And I was like, I am? <laughs> Be careful what you promise God because he'll hold you to it. I said, God, at least let me enjoy it. Like literally I had just paid it on our way back and God says, okay, you got to give it away. So long story short, because of the laws in Mexico, I couldn't legally give it to them for another seven months. So God says, I'm going to let you drive it for seven months. Okay, thank you, God. So around that seventh month, we came back to the States, and we were ministering here and there, and we were about to head back, and God says, yoo-hoo, remember? Seven months. I was like, yes, God, I remember. So I called the pastor in Mexico, and uh, I said, hey, um, I, I, God was speaking to me, reminding me. And God told me that I need to give you our vehicle. And the phone went silent. I was like, hello, are you there? 
and they started crying. Well, this pastor was started a church that was probably about an hour away from their house up in the Sierra of, of Mexico, and he had a family of five, and they would literally drive a Chevy. Y'all don't know what a Chevy is. A Chevy is like an egg with four wheels. They don't even sell it on the state side. And that's how they would drive. Well, you know what happened that weekend, right before I called? The pastor had a wreck and totaled the car. And I could imagine getting that call, like they have no vehicle to continue their ministry. And all of a sudden, I call and say, you know what? God wants me to give you a 2010. Now, for most of us, a 2010, you know, GMC vehicle was probably not that great. But to them, it was a huge blessing. They began to cry. Thank you. Whatever. And I said, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to be in Laredo. I need you to meet me in, in Laredo so that we can change the paperwork. We'll pay whatever we need to pay, and you can take the vehicle. But what would happen in two weeks? I would. How would I get home? And so... They agreed. They said, thank you. We'll meet you there. And so in that two weeks, we were ministering. And I remember we were in Austin, Texas. Are, are, y'all want to go or you want to finish the story? Okay. Some of y'all are looking at me like you're hungry. Pastor, remember the food? No, que tenías hambre? Oh, I love you kids. Thank you. They laugh at my dad jokes. So we're ministering in Austin and, and we finished on a Sunday, and this young man approaches me. He says, Pastor, when, when you guys go back? I said, well, we'll, we'll be here for a couple of weeks. Um, uh, no, I think we're going to go back in, 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 in a, we're leaving this week. He said, Pastor, before you go, I, I need to meet with you guys. Can we do breakfast tomorrow? I was like, yeah, breakfast food, yeah, let's do it. My calendar cleared up. And so the next day he comes, he picks us up, we go to breakfast, and we're just chit-chatting, and I'm thinking at some point he's going to get to the point, but apparently he didn't. We got back to the pastor's house, we're in the driveway, and he parks, and it just goes quiet, and I don't, I'm looking like, do I get down, or what, you know, what's going on? And all of a sudden he turns to me, and his lip is shaking, and he starts crying, he goes, Two weeks ago, Pastor, two weeks ago, God told me that I need to buy you a vehicle. He said, go find the vehicle that you want. Go find the vehicle you want. Tell me how much it costs, and I'll give you the money. Two weeks ago, yes, give God some praise for that. What happened two weeks before? Two weeks before, I made the phone call, and while I was making the phone call, God was already preparing what was next. So I went from a $3,000 vehicle to a $6,000 vehicle. Now, understand, this is the way that God operates. It would have been so easy for God to say, you give me yours and I'll give you this. Anybody would take that deal. But remember, God is always testing you. That's why be careful. We say, God, I want to trust you in this area. Why? Because every area you ask him to, you, to teach you to trust him is the area where he's going to test you. And so imagine if God would have said, well, you give up this $3,000 vehicle, and I'm going to give you $6,000 vehicle. Anybody would have taken that deal. Well, almost anybody. Some of you voted for Biden. I don't know. Did I say that, the quiet part out loud? Okay. Just kidding. Not really. But most people, 
would have taken that deal. But I didn't know what was going on. But it wasn't until, it wasn't until I took the step of faith, obeyed God, that that key unlocked the next level of blessing. But guess what happened when I got the next vehicle? Driving to Mexico. And God says, uh, this one's not yours either. You're going to give it away. And guess what happened? We were ministering in Merida, Yucatan. And God speaks to me and says, okay, it's time for you to give this away to this pastor in Mexico. And it was a, a Tuesday, and I called the pastor and I said, Pastor, um, I, um, I'll be back in Ciudad Guzman, Jalisco. I'll be back by the end of next week. And um, God wants me to give you this vehicle. Of course, they're, thank you, whatever, whatever. That Sunday, that Sunday, we were ministering in Merida, Yucatan. After church, we all go to eat like all good Christians do. If you don't go out to eat after church, then I don't know if you're saved. But <laughs> those of us that are saved and sanctified, we go out to eat after church. And this man comes up to me. He said, pastors, I need to talk to you. He said, I don't know if you remember when you came a couple of years ago, my, my situation, I was broke. I had lost my company, everything. You gave me a word. I took that word to heart. I'm going to do it. God gave me my company back. I'm, 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 God is blessing me. I have so many opportunities. But God told me that I, I just bought this Ford F-150, and God says, I need to give it to you. I called on Tuesday to tell the pastor I was giving him my vehicle. By Sunday, God already had what's next. Let me tell you, every level of blessing got bigger. And once again, anybody would have taken the deal if it says, God said, you give this one, then I'm going to give you that one. But that's not how God operates. Remember, it's if then. God wants you to know, wants to know if you trust him enough to trust him. Could you imagine if I would have let the doubt and I would have let the fear, because understand, if I would have given up my vehicle without knowing what was next, I had engagements to preach all over Mexico still. I had engagements to preach in the United States. I would have had no way to get from point A to point B to get to those churches. I would have had to figure it out. If I would have let the doubt and the fear and the enemy come and say, is that really God? God would never do that. God, God doesn't do things like that. If I would have fell prey to the fear, I would have missed out on what was next. And let me tell you, every time it kept getting bigger and bigger, God kept elevating me because I chose to trust him. But when you live on that level of faith and you say, God, everything I have belongs to you, whatever you ask me for, I'm going to give it to you. You want to hear one more story? Okay. Those of you that are hungry, y'all can go. Okay. Yeah, order for us. We'll be there. Thank you, Pat. So years ago, I had, I had always wanted to go on a cruise. And so I started saving up money to go on a cruise. We were, I was paying for a vacation during the summer to go on a cruise. So I started saving up money, and I was a, a, an executive pastor at a, at a local church in Del Rio. And we had this young couple that they had been married about a year, and they had just gotten married. Their anniversary was coming up, and 
I, I asked her, she, she was the church secretary, and I asked her, I said, hey, what are y'all going to do for your anniversary? This is the first one. It's a big one. What are y'all going to do? And she did. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, obviously, they, they weren't making a lot of money. And she's like, well, I think we're, you know, just going to kind of keep it small and intimate. Hot dogs on paper plates, you know. But romantic, you know. They're like, but it's your, I didn't get it. You know how men are, we don't get it. Like, but it's the first one. Right? And so I finally got it. And I said, oh, well, it's going to be the best hot dogs you ever ate. (laughs) I go back to my office. You know what God tells me? You know that little envelope in your filing cabinet that you're saving money for your cruise? I want you to go give it to them. So God, I've got T-Mobile, can't hear you. Good thing I don't have AT&T. <laughs> what? I said, are you sure, God? Did I hear you right? So what did I do? I went, got, opened the filing cabinet, had the little envelope of money. And I went and I said, here. I want you guys to go out having a great anniversary, take a trip, eat something good. Food's important. Eat something good. And she started to cry. Thank you. Thank you. I said, you know what? Don't thank me. Thank God. It's not coming from me. It's coming from him. Why, y'all laugh? Why is that funny? It's true. That's what I said. I wasn't feeling it, but I said it. That's because y'all know me already, right? Right. You're not going to believe this, but not even two weeks later, we get a message from this couple that says, hey, you guys want to go to the Bahamas? (laughs) Like, how do you ask somebody that? Well, doesn't everybody at some point? And we're like, well, you know, yeah, we've talked about it, like... I mean, maybe not this year, this decade, you know. And he said, well, we're going to the Bahamas, and we want you to go with us. I'm like. (laughs) He says, well, great, but, you know. No, that came after. He said, no, it's because we want to invite you. We're going to pay. Because I honored God with the little seed, which was not enough, not even for one flight to the Bahamas. But because I honored God, God gave us an all-expense-paid trip to the Bahamas. If, if I would have known what was on the other side, here's 500 bucks. Take it. I'm going to the Bahamas. For fun. But the thing is that with God, you never know. But let me tell you that every time God asks you for something is because he has something better. Every time God asks for you to take a step of faith is because he wants you to unlock something in your life. And if I would have known that a trip on the Bahamas on the other side, man, that would have been an easy decision. That's a no-brainer for most of us. But I didn't know. All I knew was that God spoke to me, and I had to obey him. And because I obeyed him, this is what that key 
unlocked for us. That's the level of obedience and blessing that you walk in. When you get to that level and say, God, everything I have belongs to you. Look, now, I'm not setting you up for an offering unless you really want to give one. I'm not. I just want to give you the keys until you don't limit God. Because when God asks you for something, and it may be to give a seed here. Maybe it's a, to give a seed to someone. Maybe it's, it's even a stranger. I don't know. But all I know is that when God asks you to give something, obey. Because you never know what you're unlocking on the other side. And every time I've chosen to trust God. Still home, son. You can tell you was never a baseball player, huh? Pero está bien chulo. It's más o menos. He's cute. We'll keep him? Okay. Still home. Every time that God has asked me for something, let me tell you, it has always unlocked something on the other side. And those are just a few stories. I can tell you about when I gave up my iPad. I think I cried more when I gave up the iPad when God, I've given up a MacBook. There, let me tell you, every time God asks, it's because he wants to unlock something on the other side. And you get to that point where you just trust him. But you've got to start with that level of obedience, that level of, man, we didn't even, this is just the introduction, so come back for next week or not. But... Because I want you, I want these testimonies to be your testimony. You know what happened? I got to share this. Can I share this one last week? I know some of you are already hungry. They're leaving. That's okay. Order for us. That was planned. So no. It really was. Um, I, I, I was teaching this this morning and I get a call from a lady in our church in Del Rio. She said, Pastor, I just got to share this with you. Thursday, my husband and I, we were talking, he was telling me that we weren't going to make, we were not going to be able to pay some bills that we had. And she said, I started thinking, man, what could I do? And I remember I had these shirts and I said, I'm going to go sell these shirts and I can get money for these shirts and I can help pay our, our, our bills what we need to pay but in that moment God God spoke to her and says no you're not going to sell those for money you're going to give those and somehow some way God told her to give them for the youth ministry in Del Rio but she's like but God we have these this stuff to pay this is what I was going to do God said just trust me so she obeys God she does that Robert was with me as, as a witness they were walking out of church and this couple stops them and said, pastors, we need to talk to you. Oops, I said they were pastors. Now y'all know who I'm talking about. In Del Rio, not us, but Del Rio. Said, pastor, we need to talk to you. This week, God said that we needed to bless you. And they gave him a love offering that was much more than they would have gotten if she would have sold those shirts. Yes, give God some praise. but didn't stop there they had just bought some chairs for their house they bought them on credit financing and right after that someone came and said their name 
You know those chairs that you just bought and you're paying for on credit? God told me that I'm going to pay for those for you because they chose. This just happened today, right after. I'm saying, don't limit God because these are keys that will unlock something on the other side. And I know I could bring people up here that could share testimony after testimony. People who have used the keys, who have stepped forward in, in a moment of, of even of need, in a moment of, of, of crisis when it didn't make sense. Just like when God told the, the widow of Zarephath, that's all you have. Okay, give it to me. It didn't make sense at that moment. But she didn't know that she was unlocking a level of blessing on the other side. So whatever God is, and I'm telling you this, guys, please listen to the Holy Spirit. When he asks you, when he unctions you, when he moves you, you'll never regret it. And you'll be sharing the same types of testimonies that I'm sharing with you today. Because this is a principle. God is faithful to his word. Will you stand? Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would continue to strengthen our faith, strengthen our heart so that we can access those things that you have for us. So that we can unlock the blessings that you have already allocated and prepared for us, God. God, that we would walk in that level of, of, of generosity where everything belongs to you. And that if you ask of it, God, we can use it to unlock whatever you have for us. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.